millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome into an emergency episode of Blue Jays Nation. Right before Christmas Eve, the Toronto Blue Jays went ahead and pulled the trigger on a trade for a left-handed hitting outfielder. Dalton Varsho of the Arizona Diamondbacks is now a Blue Jay going back to the desert. His top prospect, Gabe Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel. You got me, Cam Lewis. We got BK. We are going to quickly react to this trade and talk about everything that the Blue Jays are getting, everything the Blue Jays have given up what they might do next and what our thoughts are. BK, how do you feel about the trade? Uh, yeah, quite the shock to uh, have this come down right before Christmas here. Usually um, we're, we're just about entering that kind of trade freeze quiet period for at least a few days uh, through Christmas break. But uh, yeah, a big deal that came down. It's interesting that it happens on the same day Conforto signs with San Francisco. Um, I think that probably tells us that uh, the Jays had this deal kind of sitting in their pocket. And if, uh, other avenues that they were looking for outfield help didn't come into play that they would pull the trigger on this one. And I think that's what we saw happen today uh, with that Conforto signing. So, yeah, I mean, first of all, the Jays have landed Dalton Varsho, uh, four years of control, um, uh, an elite defensive outfielder, an average hitter. He's definitely better against righties and lefties, which is probably a profile the Jays want, um, given how uh, obviously uh, heavily they skew right-handed. But quite a trade, uh, very interesting uh, move to make. Uh, obviously, Moreno is a huge trade chip. The Jays had sitting there. Um, wasn't you know, none of us were sure which catcher would end up being dealt. I don't think the Jays knew which catcher they were going to deal heading into the offseason. They were open to whatever other teams wanted and what it meant in return. And uh, here we sit with an uh, elite defensive outfield, probably the best defensive outfield in the sport right now, which is quite funny after the uh, outfield work we've seen the last couple of years. So I'll run through some numbers from Varsho here because this is a guy who played for the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Arizona Diamondbacks naturally are a team that nobody who pays attention to the Blue Jays cares about. This is a national National League team, small market. They aren't very good. This is one of the teams that though there was a lot of talk about potentially being a fit for a trade. The Diamondbacks needed a catcher. They had a whole bunch of outfielders and Varsho was one of the names that was mentioned a whole bunch of times. He played last year. 151 games. His batting average is a little bit low, 235, but he slugs well, 4-4-3. He hit 27 home runs. And like you said, there's the elite defense. That's kind of the big thing here. Baseball reference has him listed at 4.9 wins above replacement, which I think would put him in first or second among position players for the Blue Jays. So that's the significant thing. And like you said, he mashes righty hitting significantly better than he hits lefty pitching, of course, which is natural for a left-handed hitter. So 
I mean, Can we, let's quickly touch on just how drastic that is. So yeah. uh, it, last season, Dalton Varsho had a 121 weighted runs created plus against righties. So like a very good hitter against righties, not elite, but very good. And versus lefties, he had a 52 weighted runs created plus. Uh, so he was not good at all against lefties. So, um, you know, what, what we'd imagine the Jays would, would be seeking in a left-handed hitter is somebody who's going to, you know, strike a bit of fear in those right-handed pitchers that sometimes get a little comfortable pitching against the Blue Jays lineup with similar hitters all the time. Um, and that's the swing you have there. So what this might mean is Varsho is playing every single day, no matter what, against the right-handed pitching. And he probably gets occasional days off against lefties. Um, the, the Jays are fortunate to have Whit Merrifield capable of playing the outfield because what they can do on lefty days is put Espinal at second base, who's great against left-handed pitching, Whit in the outfield to uh, to play wherever Varsho's position would be. And then uh, you can bring in Varsho for a defensive replacement or a pinch hit later in the game as well. So it, it's a nice... Uh, uh, tool. Uh, he's got this skill set that works for the Jays, whether he's starting the game on the bench, but obviously he's going to be playing a ton because his his performance warrants it. And the other interesting thing here too is Tyler and I had talked in the podcast and the conclusion that the two of us had kind of come to was that we like the idea of having all three catchers in the mix. That's Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk, Gabe Moreno, because then you put yourself in a situation where say Danny Jansen goes down with an injury or Kirk goes down with an injury you know, you're not having to go and use some um, Tyler Heineman, Juan Gratterall, random quadruple A catcher. Dalton Varsho has played a handful of games behind the plate for the Diamondbacks in 2022. He suited up there 31 times. So this is a player with it, it. There was there was talk with Gabe Moreno that if all went well and if all worked out, he could be a catcher and also a position player. But I don't think there was any speculation ever that Gabe Moreno could be, you know, a good catcher along with an elite defensive outfielder. And that's kind of what they're getting here in Varsho. I don't know if you want to necessarily pencil Varsho in as a frequent catcher, but, you know, if something happens and he has to catch here and there, then you essentially have a third string catcher on the roster who's also your very good defensive outfielder. It's a really, really interesting and unique profile for a player. I'm not sure I've really ever seen that. Yeah, yeah, it is fascinating. And especially because his primary position was catcher. So he basically has become this all world, you know, possibly best defensive outfielder in the entire sport. Um, well, it, w- with outfield not being his primary position uh, coming up as a prospect. So he's this good, despite not playing it and having the rep. So just naturally, he's a gifted, gifted outfielder. Um, it w- w- yeah, which is fascinating. And I think, like you said, I, you know, he's not going to see much time behind the plate, especially because of the two catchers ahead of him, right? If he was going to a team that didn't have a great catcher situation, maybe that changes the equation. But I think what this lets the Jays do is to very comfortably DH Alejandro Kirk and be okay with that. So have Jano catching, Kirk DH, and on those days, it's fine because if you want to pinch run for Kirk or something like that later in the game, you have an emergency catcher still in the outfield that you can bring behind the plate if Jansen is to get hurt and kind of that that really unlikely scenario, but emergency scenario that teams are worried about uh, having to encounter. So, uh, yeah, it makes the roster very versatile in that way. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's just it'll be really interesting to see kind of how that dynamic works if they want to have them catch maybe once every two weeks just to keep them comfortable keep them you know feeling good back there and not have it be too foreign maybe he just catches some bullpens to stay fresh that way um but ultimately this was an outfield move an outfield move for the 2023 season this this trade makes the blue jays better in 2023 uh, and beyond because like we mentioned off the hop he's here for four years at least 
Yeah, and that was kind of when you when you came into the offseason after the terrible, you know, playoff loss to Seattle, everyone knew there was changes coming. Everybody was asking for changes. That's what we said too after the Teoscar trade. And one of the weaknesses, I think most people who pay a lot of attention to the Blue Jays know that the outfield defense, and I mean the defense in general with the team wasn't exactly particularly strong. And now you have a situation where Kevin Kiermaier is your center fielder. And he's, you know, we all know Kevin Kiermaier is a very good center fielder. He might not be as good in 2023 as he was in 2015, but he's still an elite outfielder. And then you add Varsho to the mix too. And then that also means you can put George Springer in right in the corner spot where he's probably a lot better. So we've all of a sudden gone from kind of having a mediocre defense to an excellent one. I mean, Varsho checks so many boxes for the Jays. I think if you had said at the beginning of the offseason, if you could create a player to put on the Blue Jays, it would be somebody who hits left and plays a very good defense. And you would have liked to have someone that maybe draws more walks or somebody who hits for more contact. Varsho isn't necessarily that guy, but I mean, you got basically two of the three boxes you really wanted checked in one player. And at the very least, he's a threat with power, right? So like you mentioned, he's not a high average guy, um, but there's at least fear he can strike into a pitcher because of uh, the pop he has in his bat. So at least he's got that going for him on the offensive side. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you when you look up and down the roster and what we're you know looking at defensively on a you know, on a, when everyone's healthy, you're going to have two gold glove outfielders, like, and not just gold glove by name, but gold glove performance wise, that caliber of outfielder, you're gonna have a gold glove, third baseman, you're gonna have a gold glove, first baseman. And at second base, Espinal is an elite defensive second baseman. What Merrifield's still very good. Um, And, and behind the plate, I I think we all feel pretty good about Kirk and Jansen. I don't think either of them are gold glove worthy. They both have strengths. Um, Kirk uh, easier to kind of tangibly, get a feel for what his strength is. And that's framing. He's a great receiver of the ball. Uh, but yeah, right. Basically you've got Bo who's, you know, not a great shortstop and uh, everyone else around him is going to be, you know, there, there's gold glovers everywhere, but then you've got George Springer. He's going to be a very good right fielder. There's a chance, I guess the Jays could bump him to left field, but I don't think that's what will happen. Um, but yeah, between him and, and whatever they do at second base, uh, you're, you're talking about a team that's going to be very solid defensively at uh, probably, you know, seven of nine positions on the field. Um, so, yeah, it, it's very exciting to to see that. And I, I think the hard thing for fans to look at a trade like this is you see a fan favorite go in Lourdes Gurriel. You see a, a, a hyped prospect that, you know, looked pretty solid with the Jays, although he didn't really show much extra base pop um, for, you know, a guy when you open up his his stats and you look at batting average and things like that. It's like it's not something that jumps off the page, but uh defense wins too right so there's there's a reason why his you know war as you had mentioned um his fan graphs war was 4.6 last year which would lead the blue jays um the jays had multiple players kind of just below him but basically that's what you're adding as far as overall impact yes the bat is slightly above average it's not exciting but it's slightly above average but what you're adding is a complete player and the player can impact you in multiple ways. He's also a pretty good base runner. He, I think he stole like 17 bases last year and um, uh, he's got decent, not, not amazing speed, but he's got very solid speed. And, and those are things that, you know, Guriel didn't bring to the table. So Lourdes Guriel was a, was a high average hitter. He kind of punted on power last year, which was interesting. I, I'm not fully sure the reason for that. He's coming off, you know, major hand surgery going into this year and he only had one year of control left. So um, as much as he feels like a huge part of this trade, he wasn't likely to be a long-term Blue Jay. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't think he had a ton of trade value. So the, this, you know, G- Gabriel Moreno probably got the Jays 90 to 95% of the way there. 
Um, and they just were comfortable moving on from um, Lourdes because I do think there's going to be another outfielder ad now that this trade has played out this way. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I saw somebody reply to the Blue Jays Nation account when I was tweeting about this trade, and I thought this was kind of an interesting way to put it. Somebody said he's kind of like the outfield left-handed version of Matt Chapman. When the Jays mm -hmm. traded for Matt Chapman last year, it was a bit different because everyone knew the name. He was, you know, he was, um, he was just a name. He was a guy who had won gold gloves. He had a guy that shows up in highlight packages. We're Dalton Barshow. You know, he plays for the Diamondbacks. You don't really know him. But Matt Chapman kind of coming off a season with a low batting average, struck out quite a bit, but excellent defense. I don't think the, 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 the comparison is necessarily perfect side for side, but it's kind of the same idea. I mean, over the past few off seasons, it's been such a priority for the Jays to add and improve their defense. But it's an interesting way of looking at it. So now we should kind of pivot and take a look at kind of what they're giving up and whether this is a lot. That's kind of what you, you touch on a little bit here. And I mean, you're you are kind of for quite some time, like the president of the Gabe Moreno fan club. There was, you know, when we talked about it last back at the trade deadline, I remember you were very adamantly opposed to trading Gabe Moreno for most returns. So what do you think the Jays are giving up here? Does Because the thing with Moreno that was interesting is he came into the season ranks baseball's number seven prospect, but his performance in Buffalo was sort of unspectacular. He had the nice batting average, 315. You know, he would draw his walks, and that's what you would see with him too when he came up. He took professional looking at bats for his age, but the power was completely not there over the course of 62 games with the Bisons. He only hits three home runs. So, I mean, Moreno is obviously a highly ranked prospect, but how do you feel about giving him up here? Yeah, I mean, that that certainly hurt. Uh, and I, I can tell you, too, that like the Jays really like Moreno. So this wasn't a, I, I think we've seen like with the Brios trade, for example, you know, they traded Austin Martin. And I think they were getting out in front of a player who they traded and were like, uh, not we're not so sure about this guy. Like, I think his prospect status might be higher than his actual uh, performance now that we've had a year to look at him. 
Um, I don't think that applies here with Moreno. The, the Jays really liked him. They thought his defensively, obviously, with his pop time, though, you know, we saw his arm. He was incredible at that. Um, and that's going to be all the more important with the bases being closer together this year and probably more stolen base attempts. Um, yeah, he, he didn't hit for power this year. I, I, I can't speak with knowledge of this, but just historically, when guys suffer hand injuries, um, quite often, especially major hand injuries, quite often it takes a long time for the power to come back. So they, they can kind of return as a decent hitter, but that power can evaporate for a year to two years. And in near the end of 2021, Moreno suffered a major thumb injury, which required surgery. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was why his power was so limited in 2022. So I could see him being more of a power hitter. He did have more pop. Uh, he showed in previous minor league seasons. So it's not like he's never shown it. He's going to be a, a high average hitter, um, I expect. So, yeah, I mean, this is a good prospect that it hurts my heart to trade. I love Moreno. At the same time, the Blue Jays had three catchers and likely only two are going to be really valuable to you during a season because what else are you going to do with that third? And what the Jays decided to do was take one of those three and despite loving him, they were able to go make their roster a lot better, their 2023 roster a lot better because now they still have the two catchers who they know will perform. They've now upgraded in the outfield pretty significantly. Um, and they have that piece, obviously, in Varsho around for multiple years as well. Uh, the Jays only had one outfielder under contract for next season. That was or for beyond next season, which was George Springer. So having a second outfielder to add to the mix and to have as you kind of project long term is pretty valuable as well. So um, I can see why the Jays did it. I think it was a smart trade. I think I was more comfortable with the return with what they gave up, the more I kind of processed it. And as time went on, um, and again, Guriel probably didn't have the trade value that, you know, uh, some fans out there would think he would have. He just didn't. He was a poor defensive left fielder with no speed, um, and, and no power. So as you're going to see on the trade market or so the free agent market and the guy, the kinds of guys the Jays are going to look at now, like the AJ Pollock's, the, Robbie Grossman, maybe Andrew McCutcheon, just names like that. Like those left field um, kind of one or two tool bats, corner outfield, they're just not valuable. They're not going to get a lot of money in the free agent market. And that's why. So um, I think the Jays were just comfortable moving on from Lourdes because of that. Um, but yeah, it, it, you have to give up a lot to to get something in return. Center field, I don't think has ever been more valuable in the sport. And we're seeing it. Like everybody hits fly balls. Um uh, and, and elite defense out there is critical and, and free agent center fielders do not happen very often. We just saw Brandon Nimmo get $162 million, right? Like free agent center fielders, uh, are few and far between, um, shortstops always been considered the premium position. We see short shortstops of high caliber hit free agency all the time. High end center fielders, not very often. That's why George Springer, you know, despite being in his thirties and during the pandemic was able to get the contract he did because he's super valuable. And obviously because of his age, he's moving now, but the blue, blue Jays have now added a 26 year old, um, you know, elite outfield, whether he's in a corner, whether he's in a center, in center field, which I expect he will be 2024 20, and beyond. Um, they've got a great piece there and that's, you know, wh- what led them to being okay, moving on from this package. I've got to say one of the weirdest parts about this trade. I mean, if you had told me two months ago that there was going to be a trade by the Blue Jays and Diamondbacks involving Moreno and Varsho, I would have said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think everyone kind of, anyone who pays a lot of attention to offseason transactions could have seen this coming. But the the part of the deal that feels very random to me, and I don't know the Diamondbacks particularly well, but what are they, what are they seeing here in Guriel? Why would a team that's, you know, 
towards the bottom of the league standings. Arizona goes 74 and 88 last season. They're nowhere near being competitive in a division with the Dodgers and the Padres and the Giants. Why are you trading for Guriel, who's under, he's signed for one more year, and then I think he can go to arbitration next winter? Or is no, he's really- actually, that, that was the long assumed, yeah. uh, but just because of service time, he won't reach enough service time for free agency after this season. But his original contract stipulated, he signed a seven-year deal with the Jays. His contract at the time said he was eligible for free agency following the conclusion of the deal. So basically until last, I think it was last winter or last spring, everybody thought he was around for another two years or at least had two more years of control. And then we found out, you know, somewhat recently that, okay, no, it's actually just one more year. So that's why he had limited value. And like you said, that is, that is kind of puzzling with the Diamondbacks. Maybe they're going to flip him for somebody else. Maybe they, they have said they needed some right-handed hitting. So maybe they just want to have him be out there in the left field for half a season. And if, you know, they're surprisingly good, then they, you know, make a run with him. And if they're not, then they've got an outfield trade chip. So I'm going to guess that's the thought process there, but I don't know them super well to speak to that. I will say that organization has a phenomenal farm system and some really high impact guys and some good guys at the major league level as well. Uh, Corbin Carroll is going to be a superstar in my opinion, and their pitching prospect depth is insane. So the Diamondbacks are a sneaky, like elite organization as far as talent long-term, how that plays out in 2023 I'm not sure they're there, which, like you said, kind of makes the Guriel thing a little curious, but maybe it's just a guy they like for whatever reason. Um, and they'll see it play out. And and uh, and yeah, but I'd be curious to see if he ends up getting flipped here in the next couple months. So then the other thing from a Blue Jays perspective, when you're getting rid of Guriel, whose salary was set to jump up from, and nah, this is hardly a jump. That's a, that's kind of a disingenuous way to say what's going on here. He was paid $4.9 million in 2022. And now he's popping up to $5.8 million in 2023. And they get Barsho, who's, you know, an arbitration guy. He costs significant, he costs a decent amount less. So the Blue Jays have kind of removed two guys from the 40 slash 26 man roster. And they're getting one guy back while also simultaneously saving like two or $3 million. It ain't a hell of a lot, but it gives them a little bit more wiggle room then to go and add somebody else. What do we think is the move now? You've, you've, Added all of the outfield defense you kind of need. We all knew they needed to significantly improve that. They've done that with Varsho and Kiermaier. So the bats, it seems, if if you look at Teo and you look at Guriel and then you compare them to Kiermaier and Varsho, it seems like the offense has gone down. The defense has gone up quite a bit. What do you do now to kind of raise the floor offensively? Yeah, so in my mind, they've got two spots to fill. Um, So given current roster rules in baseball, they're likely to uh, have 13 position players. And with those 13, they have 11 guys who are like established. And then below that, there's not really prospects, maybe Spencer Horwitz, but I doubt it. Really, they've got 11 big leaguers and they need to fill two more spots. So the way I see that playing out is um, a right-handed hitting outfielder who can mash lefty. So basically somebody who it's fine if they're useless against right-handed pitching, but somebody who can hit lefties as well, because what that outfielder can do then is uh, get some of those outfield starts, take them away from Kiermaier and or Varsho um, on any given day when they're facing a lefty. Also gives them a, um, a pinch hit bat to replace those guys late in the game against the lefty reliever. So the, the some names, and I mean, th- these have been floating around Twitter today since the trade happened, but Robbie Grossman, AJ Pollock are both career lefty killers um, in the outfield. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon was a name somebody suggested to me. I think he had like a 105 weight around creative plus against lefties last year. So, I mean, just slightly above average. 
maybe they think there's a touch more there and and he'd be a guy who'd want to make a, a, a run at a championship. But I think that's one of the targets. So basically an outfield, uh, an outfield right-handed bat that can crush lefties. Secondary, I think they might just look for um, a left-handed bat who can DH like a veteran type. I, I had mentioned on Twitter today, Brandon Belt with the San Francisco Giants. I think he's a guy I'd like to see them take a shot on uh, because he can have some, serve some DH days. Um, he, he's older now. I think he's 36. Dealt with a lot of injuries last year. So he's a guy who's not going to be playing every day. Um, he mashed in 2021. Like he got the qualifying offer from San Francisco and there was talk that he might turn it down even as an aging first baseman after 2021 because he was so good. Last year, he dealt with injuries and his performance plummeted. And as an older player, that sh- there's certainly some risk there. Um, but man, I, I I wouldn't hate the idea of uh, of a Brandon Belt uh, bounce back season um, just because he he's long been a favorite of mine. He's such a good left-handed hitter. And he was in San Francisco where it's just death to left-handed hitters, like batting in that ballpark in his profile. So it's funny. He was a career giant despite being like the opposite fit for that stadium. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like, 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 let's say they add Robbie Grossman and Brandon Belt. That That's a really fun roster. That's a really, really fun roster. Maybe you're lacking a little bit of speed on the bench, but Grossman's like, you know, got above average speed. Um, Whit Merrifield obviously is still quite fast if on days he's uh, not starting. And then uh, Kiermaier, you know, there's days he's not going to start, but he can be a pinch runner as well. So, um, you know, maybe you'd like to see a little more speed, but I, I think that's kind of how I'd love to see them round out the roster. If, uh, if I'm just giving straight up two names, Grossman and Belt, give me that and I'm happy. Here's a super random one for you. Um, and this was a name we actually talked about them potentially trading for a couple of years ago. How about a 41-year-old Nelson Cruz? You so, think he could mash in Toronto? Hit like 40 he was, home he runs was randomly? bad last year. Bad. Apparently, apparently he had... Now, I remember like reading a headline about this. I so I, I'm not going into advanced knowledge here, but he said something like he had, he had an eye problem last year. And I can imagine being 41 years old and you can't see that hitting a major league pitching would be difficult. Um, he said he had some procedure to correct that and it's better now and whatever. It, let's say there's legitimacy behind that. Maybe I could sign up for it. Um, I, like I said, I'd probably prefer that kind of bench part-time pinch hit DH role to be filled by a left-handed batter. Um, at the same time, sure. Like Nelson Cruz would be a lot of fun. Um, I'd, I'd, you know, be happy to sign up for that. If, if this whole medical thing was an explanation for his performance last year, because the Nelson Cruz of 2022, not very valuable to the blue Jays, but Hey, if Danny Jansen can get him hooked up with whoever gave him those glasses that allowed him to hit everything out of the park in the second half of last year, that'd be sweet. One more thing I wanted to touch on, and this was kind of all the rage on blue Jays, Twitter, um, I guess not yesterday because we'll probably be putting this out tomorrow, but on that would have been Thursday. There was that report that came out. I think it was a JP Morosi report saying that the Yankees were in the mix for Brian Reynolds. But since the Pirates have already a top catching prospect, they were looking at pitching prospects. And then the whole talk was, should the Blue Jays go ahead and give up Ricky Tiedemann in exchange for Reynolds? Now that they pulled the trigger on this trade for Varsho, it seems like the idea of going out and acquiring Brian Reynolds is probably out the door, right? Yeah, that that would shock me for sure. Because that what that would what that would mean is it would make the Kiermaier decision perplexing because all of a sudden he doesn't have a fit on the team, and he was a free agent who you had to sell on what you were going to be giving him as far as playing time and circumstance. So I, I would say that the Jays felt they had 
one big fish to acquire in the outfield, whether that was free agent, like with a Conforto or some of the other names that have gone off before him or via trade. And then after that, it's going to be those cheaper, you know, maybe Grossman costs like 5 million for a year or something like that. Like, I think that's the tier they're in now. Reynolds is going to cost a lot. Um, I really liked his bat as a fit, man. Like his, his bat was a great fit. He was weirdly bad in center field last year. So I don't know if that necessarily would have solved the Blue Jays long-term center field need, which I think is part of why this trade, despite being less sexy than Brian Reynolds, that's why I would say this trade makes a lot of sense for a long-term future. Um, four years of, of our show, and you mentioned money earlier, he's projected to make about $2.8 million next year. And you've got him for for four years. So yeah, they saved $3 million there. And, and maybe you know you bump that up a little bit and go get yourself a Grossman type. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't see Reynolds happening now and, and I'll be curious to see, cause I mean, Pittsburgh can ask for the moon for him, right? Like they, they can ask for a ton. Um, I'm just speculating here, but I'm thinking that despite Moreno being a higher ranked public prospect than Tiedemann, the Jays might do that a little differently internally. Not that they're low on Moreno, just that they're super high on Tiedemann and maybe they see Tiedemann as the top guy and, and also, they don't have that crazy depth in starting pitching. So that's why, you know, the Jays would be more reluctant to trade him than Moreno as well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be making... I would be surprised if they made any more massive trades. Um, maybe a bullpen piece, something like that. But yeah, this was this was their, their big trade. Uh, and using, you know, cashing in one of their big long-term chips that they've had. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with it. You're happy with it. Are you then... I guess I, I feel like when we came into the offseason, it felt inevitable that one of those two top prospects was going to go. Do you think it's better they moved Moreno in a big deal than it was Tiedemann? Do you think it was better to pull the trigger on Moreno for Vars show plus something else rather than Tiedemann plus something else for Reynolds? Yeah, I think so. Entering the offseason, I, I probably was leaning towards Jansen being the piece that I was most comfortable moving on from because the two young catcher thing didn't scare me. Like this is going to be Kirk's fourth year in the majors. So um, not that he's been in the majors the entire year, each of the previous three years, but like he's been around, he's seen a lot. He's worked with pitchers. He's worked with uh, you know, the catching instructors and all that stuff. So I, I was comfortable going young at the catcher spot and just having that solidified for the next, you know, four to six years with those two guys, you know, working together. But um, yeah, I think I think this trade to me makes makes maybe more sense than uh, moving Tiedemann. Not that I would have fully been against doing that either. Um, I, I have a bit of a thing of like you know, despite loving everything about a pitching prospect, there's still a pitching prospect, and they can be scary. Um, there's nothing Tiedemann shown that like doesn't make you like thrilled with excitement for what he could be. He just hasn't thrown a ton of innings, and I don't think that means he's he's thrown a small sample where you're worried he's bad i think it means we don't know how his arm health will hold up if he does a full workload for a season where he's going five six innings each time so that's the unknown that he carries but other than that i mean this is a superstar pitching prospect and the jays have like everything from a tool standpoint they have everything you can want in a pitcher there and they've got four starting pitchers locked into the rotation long term for at, at least uh three years so the fact that you can, you know, dream on team and working out coming up sometime in 2023, maybe 2024, he opens the year in that rotation. But this is a super fun rotation for the foreseeable future health pending, of course. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm okay with the way that part of things has played out. It's getting exciting. We still got a ways to go in the wintertime, unfortunately. I wouldn't expect 
any more significant deals from the Blue Jays standpoint? Here we are now just a couple of days away from Christmas and it's going to be a long January, unfortunately, and then a long February too. But yeah, at least we got this transaction done right before Christmas. A nice little gift. BK, thank you so much for joining me and thank everybody for listening. Have an excellent Christmas or whatever you celebrate and have an excellent New Year's as well. Best wishes, everybody. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 